Well, uh, before I get started, I think it's uh, appropriate to, to pray for um, the coronavirus, which is sweeping the, the world. And I thought what we would do is just, let's just take some time and, and, and pray for those who are, you know, there's, you know, so many people stranded on cruise ships just, you know, uh, on the shores, and then there's people self-quarantine, and then there's other people that have to be separated from their families because they're getting, you know, all sorts of different things going on. So let's just pray and ask God's hand to be in that, and so somehow, somehow that his love and his wisdom would be seen throughout all of this, and, um, and let's ask God to just enter in during this time. Father, we, uh, we lift up those to you who are um, um, either have the coronavirus, who are, who are maybe waiting for test results, who are nervous about whether they have it or not. God, we pray for those who are fearful for contracting the coronavirus. God, we pray for those who are stranded, whether on a cruise ship or whether uh, somewhere else. We pray that your peace and your comfort and your hand would be upon them. Somehow, Lord, may your love and your grace be seen in their lives, and somehow, Lord, may your healing come to them, because you can heal. You are the great physician, and we believe in that. So, God, may uh, we ask that you would enter into this time where the entire world would be able to look to you during this time, you as the one who brings all healing, you who are the one that we're going to spend all eternity with, and may our eyes be lifted up to you. Father, for those who are sick and have this virus, bring them healing, bring them peace, bring them comfort. God, we lift up this entire situation. We lift up all these countries that are struggling with this uh, pandemic, Lord, and, uh, or epidemic. God, we, we lift this up to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, um, um uh, a number of things. Uh, one is your first time guest with us. Go ahead and fill out this blue card there. Let us know that you're here. And then you can put it in the offering bowl as it goes around. Or um, on the lanai, one of us will be out there. Probably Cameron and I will probably be out there on the right-hand side. And my right, your left. And then um, come see us as, as, as well. And if you have any questions, you can always just put them in there and then put it in the offering bowl as well. But let us know that, 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 let us know that, that you're here. So, so last week was the precursor to this week. Last week we talked about the Bible and why the Bible is reliable, why we could trust the Bible, and we were able to look at different, um, look at the history of how the Bible came to be and look at how unique scripture, scripture is. So when we talk about the words of Jesus and how much Jesus loves us, we can have confidence that those are the words that Jesus actually spoke nearly 2,000 years ago. And... Um, and, and, and as I think about this series about Jesus, as I think about the series of what Jesus has done and what Jesus still does today, as I think about this, I'm just reminded of the choices we have. We have choices, so many choices in life. We have choices on what we're going to eat, where we're going to go, what we're going to wear, all that stuff. But we also have more important choices about how we're going to live our lives. And we could decide to live our lives for the creator of the universe, or we could decide to live our lives for ourselves. We could decide to live our lives for the creation, or we could decide to live or for we could decide to live our lives for the creator rather, or we could decide to live for creation. And what I've learned and what I've realized and what I've seen that when we live for the creator, that is how we're designed to live, and that's when fulfillment comes, that's when blessings come, that's when God comes and shows up in a powerful 
way. And that's when God starts doing some great things in our lives. And so my hope throughout this series is that we see what Jesus did in the biblical text and that we see that God still does these things in our lives today. And so let's look at some of the different biblical accounts of what Jesus has done. And let's start first by looking in John chapter 4. In John chapter 4, Jesus meets this woman at the well. And we're going to read John chapter 4, and we're going to start with verses uh, 4 to 16. John chapter 4, verses 4 to 16. Now Jesus had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph, which on a side note is still there to this day. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus asked to her, or Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone in to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God... Who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks This water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't go thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. As we look at this passage, we got to say a few things just from up top, just from the get-go about this Samaritan woman. She had three things against her. Number one is that she was a Samaritan. Samaritans and Jews did not get along. Number two, she was a woman. In that culture, women were second-class citizens. Number three, she was living an immoral lifestyle, as we'll see. So she had kind of three strikes against her that this was enough in this culture for her not to be taken seriously. But Jesus... As we see time and time and time and time and time and time and time again, always went against culture. Because he looked past the outward stuff that people were doing. He looked past the outward sins and he got to the heart of the issue. He got to the soul of what was going on. One of the first indicators of this woman and kind of her lifestyle that that is like the first like yellow flag is that she was drawing water from the well at noon. This is the hottest day, time of day. She came to the well at noon to draw water. Why? Because she did not want to be seen or she didn't want to come in contact with any of the other women of that town who would have come either early in the morning or more in the evening. So she came during the hottest time when she knew chances were very slim she would run in to anybody. So whether she was embarrassed, whether she was hurt, whether she was avoiding gossip, whether she was avoiding a confrontation, we don't know. But all we know is she was avoiding something, some group of people, some, some you know, she was avoiding people in her city. And then Jesus comes. 
And he has this conversation with her. But remember this woman, though. Because this woman was going through a lot. Now, this woman, as, as we find out, it's going to, you know, she's had five husbands. And the person she was living with now, as we'll find out in just a moment, wasn't the person that, that, that she was married to. And, and she wasn't the most moral person in her life. So she comes to the well all by herself. She's avoiding people, avoiding talking to people. And, and, uh, and so I, I wonder, let's just take a moment and think about this woman at the well. Have you ever felt like this woman at the well? Maybe you felt that because maybe of your past or what you've done, you don't feel worthy. Maybe you feel like no one respects you. Maybe, maybe you feel because of what you've done, you're, you're beyond forgiveness. And so here's this woman probably having all these feelings in her, all this, the reality of the, the, the turmoil of her life for whatever reasons. She's feeling these types of different emotions. She's, she's going through that. But notice what Jesus does. He doesn't, he doesn't come across to her and say, you're a sinner, you're a heathen, and like, get out of my sight. What does Jesus do? He talks to her like a human being, and he's able to see into her heart and see the root of the issue, and he's able to encounter with her. And when Jesus encounters us, wow, our lives change. Here's what happens in their conversation in verses uh, 17 to 26. Verse 16 uh, verse 16, he told her, go call your husband and come back, Jesus said. So verse 17, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you've just said is quite true. So she just got called out, and she's like, uh, yeah. And so, sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but the Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and the worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. So Jesus has this powerful conversation with her. Jesus connects with her on a deep spiritual level where he's able to see really what is going on. And Jesus saw this woman as somebody created in the image of God. Jesus saw this woman as a beloved child of God. He didn't see her as someone who's made mistakes. He didn't see her as someone who maybe had a lot of issues in her life, a lot of emotional turmoil, a lot of brokenness, a lot of hurt. He didn't see that. He saw this person as a beloved child of God. And she was so moved 
She was so moved by all of this that the next part of the story, and we're not going to get into all of that, that she was so moved by this that she went back to the town that she lives, the town where people most likely gossiped about her, the town where most people probably would say things behind her back or even to her face, the town where maybe there's other ex-husbands still living there to tell people that she met the Christ, the Messiah, because Jesus encountered her. And so what do we do with this? Let's follow the example of Jesus, and let's see people as created in the image of God. Even if there's people that annoy us, that bug us, who have hurt us, who have, who have stolen from us, who have whatever the case is, let's see them as created in the image of God. I think we'll have a different perspective on people when we're able to see them created in the image of God. She goes into town and she tells people about God. She goes into town and she tells people about what Jesus has done. She didn't have a Bible degree. She didn't have all this theological knowledge. She just says, I've met the Messiah. Let me tell you about him. And she told them. And then the, the, the town came and, and, and Jesus met with them, shared the kingdom of heaven with them, and then they stayed. Jesus and the disciples stayed a longer amount of time to, 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 to speak truth into their lives. So speaking of education, we, uh, we just got done with, um, or we're getting done, not this week, next week. Um, you, if you've been here a, a while, you've heard of us talk about these SALT classes. These SALT classes are classes that we're offering through Hope International University. They're three units, fully accredited. You could take them at the undergrad or graduate level. And the reason we bring this up is because we're getting ready for the second class, which is an introduction to the New Testament study. And if you're interested in this, you could um, write it on your, on, your, on your Connect card here, the blue Connect card. You could write it on there, say, I'm interested in this. It's called SALT. S-A-L-T, School for Advanced Leadership Training, and you get, it's only $100 a unit, and you get three fully accredited uh, units that you could transfer anywhere because it's, it's WASC accredited, and, uh, and it has all the accreditation you need if you want, or you could just um, audit the course as well. So that's coming up. Go online, and if you want any, any more questions, you could, you could ask us, put it on the information card, or call the church office, and we'd love to help you with that. So, so, so Jesus saw this woman, and, and he encountered this, this woman at the well, and her life was never the, change, never the same because Jesus encountered her, and she responded. And I bet you, it doesn't say this, but I bet you her life changed, and all of a sudden, she's probably one of the greatest disciples in that area for, for the kingdom. Let's look at Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, we, we read about him in Luke chapter 19. And, and if you've been to church for a long time, you've heard this in Sunday school a thousand times and all that. But there's so much to this parable, uh, or to this story rather, that, uh, that I, I just want to highlight one or two of them. But Luke chapter 19, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Anybody want to claim? Just kidding. All right, so he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, 
Come down. Immediately I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be a guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said, Lord, look. Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. Half of his possessions to the poor. Half of his possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. As we look at the story of uh, of Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, we have to understand about Zacchaeus is that Zacchaeus wasn't a respected man. People did not did not like him in Jericho. He was a chief tax collector. So tax collectors would, would collect taxes, and then they would collect a little extra for themselves. A chief tax collector would then collect taxes as well, but all the tax collectors that worked under him, they would all give him a cut of the money they stole. So he got richer and richer and richer. Now imagine him living in our city, right? The tax collectors like that back then, living in our city. And they come... And they're taking more money than they need to. And then all of a sudden, we start seeing that his house gets nicer and nicer. We start seeing his clothes get nicer and nicer. We start seeing that they're eating at the nice place. And we start seeing that their lawn is good and amazing. We, how's that going to make us feel? We'd be mad. He was not respected. People did not like him. His neighbors, his friends did not like him. He was despised. And so do you and I ever feel like Zacchaeus? Do you and I ever feel like that? Do, are our actions ever not honorable? Are our actions ever not honorable? Are there people who know the dishonest things that we do and back of our minds we know we shouldn't be doing it, but there's that guilt? Or are we like Zacchaeus? And I think Zacchaeus probably felt that he was beyond saving, beyond God's grace, beyond God's love. Do we ever feel like this? Are we ever in this boat where we feel like a Zacchaeus? The beauty about the story of Zacchaeus is that when Jesus encountered him, his life changed. And in Jewish customs, when you repented, it was like you, there was retribution when you repented. So when you would repent and you hurt somebody, you would, you would, you would bring retribution. You would make sure you made things right. So here he is giving half his income, and here he is saying, I'll give back four times the amount. If I sold, you know, a thousand denarii from somebody, I'll give him four thousand denarii, whatever, or whatever the case is. You know, that's what he's saying. And then he encountered Jesus. When he encountered Jesus, his life was never the same. This is what happens when we allow Jesus into our lives. This is what happens when we allow an encounter with Jesus. Hear me on this. You and I are never too far gone from God's grace and God's love. Jesus changed lives in the biblical days, and Jesus changes lives today. So I'm going to invite my friend up, and we're going to have a little interview. And you all know him, or most of you know him. His name is Richie Aki. And uh, Richie Aki is an elder here. And uh, yeah, 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 give it up for Richie. Yeah. But let me tell you about Richie. So Richie, in his 
And in the past few years, or it's been more than a few years, um, but his own nightclubs, you can stay up here. Yeah, yeah, you get a mic. Don't, don't walk away from me. His own nightclubs, his own bars. I'm not lying. And um, <laughs> Richie was like the premier guy in radio in, uh, in Hawaii. Um, and in fact, that he was featured, you know, Billboard magazine, you know, you're talking about like the top songs, there's always a Billboard top songs. There's also a section for DJs. He was recognized on Billboard's magazines as one of the top DJs and the guy in Hawaii that knows music. And for those who know the, 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 the group Casey and JoJo, like Richie is credited in Rolling Stone magazine um, um, to help turn their career around. So much so that Richie heard their song, All My Life, and, and, uh, and turned their career around. And, and Rolling Stone magazine gives you know, some of the credit to Richie about helping them turn their career around. Because back then, during the times where it's just all radio, where this no social media really yet is all radio, Richie said, this song, there's something to it, and that really helped turn their entire career around, where they ended up getting a Grammy for it and all that. So here's Richie, elder, all that stuff, you know, nice-looking haircut. Give me way too much credit. <laughs> That's what I do, Haun. <laughs> so, but it's true. It's true. Am I lying? You give me way too much credit. Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. So, 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 so we have Richie here. You're a stud. You, you were living this life for many years, uh, 20 years, right? You had clubs. You had bars. You're living the, the life. You're on the radio. You're a DJ. You're a producer, a director, all that stuff. So tell me, Richie, what happened? And tell me some of these stories and, and how did all that play out? You know, this was a, about 30 years ago, so this just wasn't yesterday. But oh, those like, are great times like when last I was growing week. up you know, <laughs> in kidding. my uh, 18 through you know, early 30s. And, you know, I spent a lot of time meeting different celebrities and traveling all over from, you know, San Francisco to Miami to Chicago. And just back then, there was no social media. So radio was everything, especially out here. I was programming the number one station, which was I-94 FM at the time. And whatever we played would sell out here in Hawaii. So uh, that was when Tower Records was around. People were buying, you know. I think uh, cassette tapes back then, and <laughs> you got into CDs. But you know, we lived a, a fast life in the entertainment business, uh, being involved in the bar industry and the nightclub industry. And you know, for someone my age at the time, I might have been like maybe 25 to 28, um, working as a, a nightclub DJ on the weekends. You know, I used to look forward to that. But what I mentioned to Brian was that you know, throughout that whole time, and I had grown up in a different church. Uh, I had no relationship with Jesus at all, and, you know, I was very uh, self-serving and, you know, really, I mean, I put my, my faith in, you know, false idols, things like, you know, fame and uh, just celebrities and other things, and, you know, at, at one point of my life, you know, everything kind of came to a crash, and back then, as a youngster, you know, in my 20s, I'm living this happy life. Here I am thinking, you know, I, I've got all the happiness in the world, but, you know, happiness can be temporary and it can be taken away. And when it was taken away from me, you know, my world crashed. And when you put your faith into something that isn't real, you end up chasing it and you end up wanting it back. And, you know, I went into a, a downward spiral, 
you know, making wrong decisions. So um, eventually, I was able to, you know, regain myself again and, uh, you know, got into another business. Things went well. But again, you know, I put my trust in money, ambition, everything else but Jesus and the Lord. So again, you know, you go, you go through this cycle again and again and again. So, you know, it was one day when my wife and I, we were looking into a school for our two-year-old son. And we ended up here at Kaimuki Christian to apply him for preschool. And we tried to get into some other schools, but he had a speech issue and they wouldn't accept him. And we met with Mr. Gallagher and Mrs. Spearing, and I texted my wife during the interview. I said, you know, I don't think he's going to make it because he's not really paying attention to the interview. <laughs> but, you know, uh, Principal Gallagher gave my son a chance, and, and we could work around the speech issues. He ended up coming to the school. You know, we would drive past here, and all I would see is a church. And, you know, at the time, we weren't attending church as a family. So when we walked past uh, the doors here and we seen the school, I mean, there's, there's an amazing campus here. And uh, we fell in love with the place. We ended up sending our son to this school. And, you know, I would start to attend um, the excursions and Friday chapels and whatnot. And it was one day when I was going out to the pumpkin patch with his preschool class that uh, Miss Vera and Mrs. Silsby who used to work here, you know, they were talking to me in the back of the bus and they asked me, you know, where do you go to church? And, you know, do you want to come and join us this weekend? And I said, well, you know, maybe. <laughs> so one day I was driving on my way to Kahala to go to the post office. And, you know, I, for some reason I made a detour, drove up here on Harding. And I was driving by and I seen Mrs. Silsby walking out of her car, so the timing was perfect. You know, and there's never any parking here, but she said, I, I rolled my window down, and I was like, Mrs. Silsby, she's like, are you coming to church? And I said, sure, why not? You know, <laughs> I didn't want to walk in here alone, so I found parking. There was parking here. I parked, and she walked me up the stairs, and you know, people greeted me. I, I can still remember my first day here. Bill Young shook my hand, and Pastor Nolfo, and they welcomed me. I sat with Mrs. Silsby and next to Don Hubbard, and what drew me into this church was the worship because, you know, I'm a music guy. And when I came here, you know, I heard songs like Holy Spirit, Revelation Song, uh, With All I Am, 10,000 Reasons. They were singing and I was like, wow, these songs are great. I've never heard them before because I'm, you know, into the whole top 40 scene. I've never heard <laughs> any of these songs, but they were amazing. I thought the worship team wrote the music. They were so good. They sang them so well. But, you know, I, I kept coming back again and again, and I remember Pastor Ron saying, you know, fill out that connection card, so I filled out the card, turned it in, one day I get a call from Pastor Ron, and I'm like, oh, the pastor called me up, you know, he wants to have coffee with me, so, you know, I had coffee with him, and, and that's where I kind of told him everything that I've gone through, and mistakes I've made, and, you know, um, you know, I, I, needed, I needed prayer, and I needed Jesus, and he told me, Pastor Ron told me, he said, Commit your life to Christ, and he will be there for you. He'll rescue you, and, you know, just stay in faith, and, and that's what I did. You know, I got engaged with an Ohana group, uh, the men's sun, uh, Saturday morning at 6.30, and learned so much there. Um, so many great people came into my life, but I just needed to open up myself to, 
to Jesus. And a lot of that happened when my son Keanu would come home from school. You know, his teachers did such an amazing job of connecting with him and his heart and, and the love of God and just the love of Christ. And he would come home and sing songs and he, would, he brought prayer into the home. And you talk about the impact of what his teachers did for him and what he ended up doing for us all because Christ used them. Uh, it, it changed our family. Yeah. And I was so happy as, you know, one day I look back and, you know, I tried to talk to my older son about coming to church. And he's like, you know, Dad, that's not for me. But, you know, that was me before. People would try to invite me to uh, Bible study, you know, at Starbucks. And I'm like, what do you mean you're going to go there and pray at Starbucks? You know, <laughs> I, I couldn't understand that. And try to invite me to talk about Jesus. And I, I just kept rejecting them. But, you know, in his time, um, you know, here we were. And uh, one day in church, I, I looked to the right and left. And uh, there's my entire family there you know, here in church. So it, it's been such a blessing. And um, I can't say enough about the school here with the, the teachers. They do sh such an amazing job of, you know, working with the kids and talking to them about Jesus. And, you know, it's just been a, a blessing for my family. Yeah, so you had a number of people talk to you about the Lord, but you weren't interested. It's kind of like, they're, here they are, invite you to church, telling you, you know, hey, come to church and let me tell you about Jesus. And you're like, ah. But it wasn't until... This, this field trip where you're like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot, you know? What, what was it about that moment as opposed to all these other moments when you had all these other invites coming to church and, and, and to talk about the Lord? What was it about this particular field trip that was like, yeah, okay, I think I will say yes? Well, you know, it's a long uh, bus ride to Waimanalo, so <laughs> lots of time to think about things. But, you know, I was just so happy to have my son at this school and, and just the people were so friendly and you could just tell there's something different going on with everyone here, you know, the, the faculty and just the people, you know, in the offices, everyone had this joy in them and, you know, we talk about, you know, again, happiness, but, you know, joy is something entirely different, yeah. you know, you can experience joy even during the rough times in your life, but, you know, I, I, I just was attracted to that and when they invited me, I decided, you know, you know, I had so many things that I've tried in the past, yeah. and I did. There was something definitely missing in my life, and you know, hey, let's try something different. You know? Wow! So, it, it's unusual for a lot of people who knew me in the past to see me at different things. You know, last <laughs> year I was at the um, hymn conference with Pastor Brian, and someone walks up to me and they're like, "What are you doing here?" <laughs> you know, so, you know, I guess they never seen me there before. But Tell me about the time we went to lunch. Oh, no, I, don't, don't, I don't don't think don't. that's appropriate. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> My first lunch meeting with him, a friend of mine walks up to us and shares his uh, weekend rendezvous with us, and I was so embarrassed because here I am with the pastor, and I, I said, you know, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> that's a true story. So, <laughs> Richie, let me ask you this. Um, um, as you look at your life now, and uh, we'll, we'll wrap things up on this, on this thought here. As you look at your life now, um, and the band could come. As you look at your life now, what are you able to see that Jesus has done and is still doing in your life and the life of your family? You know, uh, I think the biggest difference now is no matter what comes our way, uh, you know, good times, you know, we all have challenging times. But we know that we can rest in the Lord and knowing that he's there 
I mentioned joy, you know, uh, just looking at what my wife dealt with this past year with her mom and stage four cancer and her sister and just how strong she was for her family. Um, you know, we don't need to fear or have anxiety anymore about things because we know that he's in control. And, you know, that's what I try to share with other people. Uh, you know, uh, we're called to love our neighbors ourselves and in doing so, you know, uh, if for new believers who aren't part of an Ohana group, get involved because there's other people there that maybe going through the same struggles as you are and, you know, they can help you with that and, and be there for you and be strong for you because, uh, like I mentioned, the other things I did in my life, and some people envied it, just temporary happiness. But, yeah. you know, Jesus gives us strength every day. He gives us hope, and he gives us life. Wow. So let's do this. We're going to um, close with, with prayer. And, um, and uh, Richie, if you wouldn't mind, um, let's, let's pray for everyone here and that and wherever they are, because there's everybody's in different situation in life. There's lots of hurts. There's lots of pain going on in some people. Um, and then there's some people who maybe don't know the Lord. And then there's also people here who um, are just just struggling. And and if you would, let's just um, close this time in prayer. And then after prayer, we'll we'll stand and we'll sing and we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. So if you don't mind, let's yeah, close this in prayer. Father God, we thank you for this wonderful church community here. We stand strong together. We have no fear. We can cast our anxieties on you. Uh, please watch over everyone during this time of the coronavirus. Uh, we know that you are in control, Father. Rest assured that we as a church family can come here um, and, and share our love with one another, share our love for you. If there's anybody in the room who is going through a rough time or a time of uncertainty. Please be, be there for them, with them, and let us as a church family learn to reach out and help one another and be there to lead others to Jesus because Jesus and only through Jesus are we strong and do we have life. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen, amen. If you want to um, more information on Ohana groups and you're like, oh, I'd love to do that because Richie talked about how much it impacted his life, just put that on your Connect card there and say Ohana groups and we'll, we'll get in contact with you. Well, let's stand and uh, let's respond.